You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. News team, assemble! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, and welcome back. It is another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast from Soonerscoop.com, brought to you by Dead Soxie. Uh, we welcome in the entire crew. And uh, Bob Prisbillo, currently my favorite member of the Scoop staff. I'm sorry, Josh. I'm sorry, Eddie. You have fallen far down the ranking. The power rankings are out. Bob Prisbillo, number one, and then you two. I'm not even going to get into that. But uh, Bob Prisbillo. Is that a 2A or a 2B? It, I don't want to say. You know. Okay, I'll wait, 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 wait. Okay, no, I'm reading. Third or fourth you anyways. just helped me figure out the rankings. Bob Prisbillo, number one. Josh McQuistian, number two, who has headphones, and Eddie Radosevich, number three, who for, screwed up the start of the show because he thought he had to go run and get his headphones at his radio station. Which Josh asked the very good question that he doesn't understand if you're not in radio and go into a studio. You do not want to use their headphones because no one takes care of headphones at radio stations. They treat them like crap. They break them, and they never fix them, and then they're always too cheap to replace them. So unless you carry your own personal headphones, it's literally like uh, like it's like taking your own toilet paper on vacation with you. It's, it's like you don't want to use that paper-thin shit that's in the, you know, even the luxury hotels. You want good paper towels. Or, or good uh, stuff to wipe your butt with. Same thing with headphones. I would take it even a step further, Carrie. It's almost like I don't want to... Sh- people don't take care of their ears like I do. I don't want to put my ears into other people's ears, if you will. This is true. Gotta lifestyle that stuff. I have like a ear phobia, I guess. But it's not like you're sharing uh, you know, wireless beats or Apple... Pods yeah, they're whatever. not going in, but at the same time, it's, I don't know. There's I've no always, penetration. I mean, no, but still there, there ear is virgin. a little bit of like ear juice swap I could see being a uh, being a problem. There's definitely, and I just don't want to, I don't want to have that problem. You're definitely making contact with someone else's DNA when you're sharing headphones. Yes. Yes. Very exactly. much so. So uh, Eddie found a spare pair of headphones that are like probably like most of the ones at his radio station. They're broken. Uh, I've seen them before. I remember we had to have a talk uh, where I was like, Eddie, you should invest in good headphones uh, because those are not those, you know, what what is on your head right now, broken in half. Well, I was trying to hold on to them for as long as possible. They were a Christmas present from Santa Claus, and I didn't want to be disrespectful. Like, we literally have, like, eight pairs of studio quality head. I gave Bob a pair just when I... Dropped off his microphone, which he is number one in the power rankings, by the way, because without even me badgering him, which I always have to do, you guys know this about everything, download this app, 
uh, you know, check out this website, sign up for this. Uh, no one ever listens to me, but unbeknownst to me, Bob Prisbillo got his new microphone set up and working. So, Bob, congratulations. You've moved to the top of the Sooner Scoop Power Rankings. It's about time. Now, I give a shout-out to <laughs> Brittany. She made a makeshift office in the sunroom where I always do the Zooms. I, uh, anyway, now I got a desk and stuff like that, too. Oh, my God. Are we going to have you a video pod set up here soon? You know, so maybe. It's not the strongest, so we'll see how long that oh God, goes. You're like Rachel Ray in the new studio. <laughs> I, see, now, I feel a little like the teacher's pet that has been scorned here. I've, for the last week, been helping Carrie check audio issues, including last night where we were going over some video stuff that I won't even pretend I understand, but he's got questions. I'm like, okay, I'm checking my stuff, making sure it's okay, and I'm still not accepted. It, it just, you know, there comes a point when you just have to accept that you're never going to be good enough, that, you know, the per that person's just never going to never gonna like the way Look, you do things. I and see so myself I'm as accepting like, this life. I see myself as Todd Marinovich's father, all right? <laughs> I am on you all the time, driving you to be better. Todd Marinovich, that piece of shit, never would have made it in the NFL if not for his God-fearing father, all right? Now, oh, he did drive God. him to cocaine abuse. Uh, and his life was mm -hmm. ruined, but he never yeah. had a Big Mac when he was growing up. So, you know, hey, you got to balance the scales hey. there. He lived a lot of life as a perfect human being before he became a junkie. You'll never, there in the timeline of my life, you can never be blamed for my poor decisions in life. So you, you're going to be okay in this. You are, you are legally, uh, your hands are clean. Are your photos not fantastic now? Have I, have I not told yes. you that you, you, you often take better photos than I do? Because I've pushed I, I you have, years and years, pushed you. Of course, that only took I, 10 years. You know, to I was just saying, pushing, photos. shaming. I mean, there, there's, there's a way to look at it. I mean, I'm not sure you're ready to teach third graders. But in, in the, light, in oh, the scheme me, of life, just yes. Give me my chance. Just put me in the game, coach. <laughs> put me in the game, and let's see what happens. Actually, I'd probably get kicked out the second day of... A hundred percent. As would I, aid, so no shame. They need the first day to get the board of superintendents together to vote me out, and then the second day they wouldn't let me back in the building. Yeah. And then I yeah, had, I, I had uh, all this stuff set up for Eddie to check out today, which I'm, I'm going to turn all my attention to Eddie now. Um, you guys, you and Bob are off the hook. Eddie is my... I want to be uh, the Jerry oh, Bomar no. of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so are you saying that you're going to do something illegal and get, get banned from the pod if I, if I, I well, am hard on you? I'm definitely showing up to practice. I can tell you that. Anyway, so maybe, I, I had maybe a, a little hungover. I had our whole system set up and I wanted to show it off to Eddie. Like maybe he would be impressed once with something. Well, I, uh, I didn't know. I just figured you bought and this, just not you know, shit we have on new it. Mics. I figured that we would use them. We we didn't have a Zoom call, so no reason for Eddie to come down to Norman. Yeah, that's true. But we are on Thursdays now, so I mean that's moving yes. forward. We got a pod on Thursdays just because of all the Zooms going on on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then we could pod, but then Bob couldn't write and get you you know your stories out that you want to read, so. Well, we might have compromise. more content items on Tuesday and Wednesday that will replace the expectancy of the pod. Sure. Right? Yeah. 
You'll definitely and be getting more stuff on Tuesday and Wednesdays, and then the pod will come out late on Thursday. So, and it's going to be tough for Bob to be Carrie's number one guy when he literally commits a felony and just murders someone on Wednesday afternoon for um, the the transcribing and then going straight into the pod. I I think Bob would have just melted down. There were a couple times, yeah, like when the pod was over, I was like, oh my, I hate Wednesdays. Can so we much. please stop asking about the fucking thigh pads? Can we please just Knock it stop off. doing it? No, I'm not even They're in there and it's obnoxious. They're pads. They're fucking thigh pads. I mean, come on. There was a little bit of like breaking news within the thigh pad story this week, though. Spencer Rattler's not wearing the, uh, the, the, what are, like, I guess the designer. The, the designer one, yeah. so he's going back. He's been humbled. The non-conference has humbled the man. So he's it's not like when wearing Buki the, gave away his sledgehammer. He's not wearing the rattlesnake with a penis logo anymore on his thighs. That's Correct. what he said on the, that's yesterday that's exactly on Wednesday. What he said. I said it, it's a bad look. I mean, like he's got the diamond encrusted necklace. Uh, he's got the thigh pads. It's like. You're not playing very well, and so it just it just feeds the trolls. I mean, that's all it does. And they're like, "Who do you think your Oklahoma made you? You didn't make Oklahoma." Like, I can see people getting mad about that. It's a to me, you just have to be smart about that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, if you're going to go out there and do all this name, image, likeness stuff, try and include you know your team or your. And I know they can't use the school logo, which is stupid. And I knew it would lead to this stuff in the first place. Uh, if 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 Betsy on Etsy can get a licensing fee to sell her needlepoint uh, OU stuff, then players should be able to do it too. And it's I, just I thought dumb. that was supposed to be coming, right? Yeah, but they got to get like a group licensing sure. deal, and sure. I don't know how that all works. I mean, North Carolina was like the first school to do it. Uh, I would just be happy if they'd have I've, – I've talked about this a lot – like if they had some kind of – a. Uh, a highlight package that we could use uh, if we, you know, did some stuff with players, which we're going to be sure. doing. Uh, everybody kind of knows that. We just haven't made the official announcement, which is coming soon. Um, I know I said that last week. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the, it, the Rattler thing, like- yeah, I mean, I think that's the smart thing. It just looks bad when you have your logo. It's almost, it, it's, it's not like Chico's Bail Bonds, but it's not far away. I mean, it's just... It sends a wrong message, I think. The thigh pad thing is a little bit like when uh, in Little League Baseball, uh, old Ed would let me wear the flip-up sunglasses, but the second I went 0 for 3 with uh, (laughs) a couple strikeouts in an air, those son bitches were going back to mom's purse. Uh, That's why I want to give Eddie the props for asking that question about the criticism being warranted for the way that he's played the first three games. I think that's a really good question. Big J journalism from from Edward Lawrence. The, the, uh, yeah, every once in a while I'll ask a serious question. It's almost like one of those things too, though. It's like, I think I kind of like the answer, but I can see how it would rub some people the wrong way. It definitely did on the board. Sure. Oh, you mean, did they take time out from, uh, demanding that Caleb Williams take over the position in order to criticize, you know, to criticize you for asking a tough question? By about Wednesday, they decided that Lincoln wasn't going to hire an offensive coordinator during the middle of the week. So uh, we move on. We move on to something else. No, I mentioned that this morning, that that was something that showed up <laughs> on our board. And it was like disbelief. Uh, that any, And I was like, you haven't been to the Crimson Corner. You don't know. There's a lot of crazy ideas. But the good news is, and I think the good news for a lot of people is, uh, and I, I tweeted this this morning, it's like, 
I don't know how anybody survived the one and two start last year. Like looking back on it and what the fan base feels like now when they're three and oh, and I get it. Like I understand all the reasons why people are angry, but I don't know how anybody survived the one and two start. Well, I mean, first off, you played Iowa State uh, as one of your first three teams. The Kansas State game That's was true. a total shocker. That's true. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, it was the first time that in the modern era that OU had ever lost back to back games. <laughs> Which is just. I Bob mean, Stoops at the end never of the day, lost back to back games. Somebody tweeted me about like the pain that Oklahoma fans go through. And it's like, <laughs> if you only knew the pain that some of these fan bases, they would literally maybe give up a firstborn for it. Well, you like, think and if it's somebody wouldn't love to be three and zero right now, no matter who they beat. <laughs> and imagine if it's like an OU fan that's that's like younger than twenty five that doesn't even remember Schnellenberger or Blake or any of those times. They literally have only known, oh yeah, the Big Twelve Championship is a birthright. Like that, that that's just something they think is assumed, and didn't didn't suffer through Jake Sills or any of the other madnesses of the late nineties. I mean, Pat Fletcher was That's a state a hero. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I what what is he doing now? Like, is he is he prevalent anywhere? Like, he feels like one of those guys that if now he would have kind of cycled that into something meaningful. Like, he runs his own, you know, I, I don't know, small business or something, and uses that he runs a feed the notoriety store, he had. He, I okay. can see him running like a feed store. Sure, sure. Do those, yeah. I don't even think those exist in Norman City limits, but I—I I was gonna say it's a weird place. Maybe, in, maybe a noble. Shout out, Jason Kersey. Yeah. So, I, by the way, uh, kind of going back, and Josh, thank you for joining us on the post game pod. I know everybody enjoyed it. Um, thank you for uh, controlling your drinking throughout the day, so you could do that. We'll see you. We'll see you at 115 this week. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, let, let's go oh, ahead and man, uh, let's call me tentative for that one. I think Eddie and I <laughs> finished at 2:30 a.m. the last night game. Of course, that was 30 minutes. Late. So two about 2 a.m. You should be you should be ready to go to bed. Yeah, but remember, <sighs> Western Carolina also had a 12 minute fourth quarter. This is this going to be a late Saturday. It'll be interesting because. I mean, West Virginia is going to want to run the ball. I mean, they're they're going to try to eat clock, do exactly what Nebraska did, shorten that thing as much as they can. And I don't. Oklahoma offensively is going to be interesting with what how they're going to go at West Virginia. Have you seen that defensive what, line's good? Have you seen what Jared Dagey's season high is in rush yards? Oh God, no! It was against uh, Long Island University. He Obviously. ran for a total of negative three yards. Yeah, they've been using Garrett Green as sort of a change of pace, what OU fans want Caleb Williams to be during the last week or so. But Jared Dagey is going to have his hands full with that defensive front. Now, we'll see if, uh, you know, it does not sound like Jalen Redman will be a part of that. Yeah. It almost seems like, too, that, and I haven't gone back and just watched snap for snap uh, of the game of West Virginia and Virginia Tech last week, but, I mean, West Virginia basically held on for dear life. They, Jared they pulled an OU. Plagues particularly well. Yeah, they pulled an OU. They, they just took off the second half. And Virginia, I mean, Virginia Tech, though, I mean, that's one of the best wins of the Big 12. Sure. 
I think you got to yeah. throw, you know, OSU and Boise State in there. But, I yeah. mean, the, the good wins for the Oklahoma school or the uh, Big 12 schools is not just exactly murderers. Well, Kansas State any... over Stanford. That was a good win. Yeah. As it turns out, uh, you know. I didn't Stanford, Stanford gets better, yes. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah, they didn't face the quarterback that seems like he's getting Stanford going a little <laughs> that bit. But... Might, might have torched them if they play. Yeah. The good yep, news in all of that, though, is the fact that you look at a West Virginia team that for some reason or another, and I think that they're much better than the 17, 18, and 19 teams uh, that Oklahoma played, but at the same time, the numbers offensively that Lincoln Riley and Oklahoma have put up against West Virginia over the last three times that they played are just astronomical. I don't, I don't know if you guys saw it in the game notes, but – you're talking about 56.7 points per game over 17, 18, 19 to go along with 624 yards on average. Ten and a half yards per play in those three games. The 17 and 18 makes sense because OU gets better as the season goes on. But sure. 19, yet Austin Kendall coming back and they just they weren't ready yet to pose a real challenge. But yeah, this is a team that <laughs> no matter how good the Mountaineers have been, the Sooners have been able to handle them, and usually pretty easily, too. Well, West Virginia's never helped themselves out, and I know we talked about this in years past, but they've always tried to start fights before the game. It's like, stop pissing off OU before the game could even start, and then they just cave your heads in. That was a little bit of a dogfight in 18 as well. It, I can't remember what, it, what, what penalty was it over on the West Virginia sideline that kind of changed the game. Uh, there late in the, I want to say maybe oh, the beginning was, of the fourth uh, quarter. It was somebody blocked someone Blocky while they were out of bounds. Of bounds. Yeah. Yes, that's it. Yep. And, and it, it was like, just uh, completely stalled the drive. Yeah, who was it? It might have been, it seems the like it Buzzy was. Buzzy that got blocked out of bounds? I think that's what, I think that's what it was. I don't have a clue who, who it was, but I do remember their fans being upset about it. And not to mention, I mean, he had the uh, the fumble return in that game as well as Caleb Kelly. Yeah. I mean, Caleb right, Kelly. Two defensive touchdowns. Still yeah. looks at that as his favorite play from his career so far. Guys, it's just amazing what perspective will do. Like, I, you hear some buzz amongst West Virginia people, like, that. there's a feeling, hey, maybe the gap's closer than it has been, and yeah, I like I said uh, in the post game pod. I think this weekend we'll we'll get an idea of is is it been a focus thing for OU or are they actually moving in the right direction? West Virginia is averaging two thirds of a yard less per play than Oklahoma, and Oklahoma's fans are ready to burn the entire offense to the ground. And I mean, not that it's a great West Virginia offense, but it's just it's interesting how that perspective will mess with you a little bit. It's kind of been interesting this week. I, I feel like there's a large segment of the fan base, and I feel like I'm even included in this group as far as kind of what you said. It's like, okay, they're getting to conference play. Every, everybody take a deep breath. And I'm afraid if OU doesn't put up 55 points, people are really going to start hitting the panic button this week. It's You're not interesting because they uh, are heading. That is going to be the case. Oh, 100%. It's, it's, it's one of two situations. It's either they waited for conference play and they woke up, or they waited for conference play and there's no next level for those guys to get to. And then everyone's going to be so disappointed about what they heard in July and August compared to what was on the field during the last yeah. month. Well, here's the thing. Uh, there's one person that this game is massively important to, and it's, it's you know the question that you asked yesterday, Eddie. Um People are starting to gather. They're starting to collect. 
They're starting to become a, uh, I don't want to say mob, that's too strong a term, but you're getting, you're, the forces are gathering against Spencer Rattler. Like, we've heard it, and we hear it, you know, first more than anyone because, you know, we've got the largest community out there uh, for, you know, OU sites. So, just like the, you know, um, that Lincoln Riley might need to hire an OC, like, that stuff kind of the, the it germinates on the message boards, and then it starts to hit the mainstream and the radio and the and the television, and um, uh, then it eventually goes national. But uh, Spencer Rattler needs to have a breakout game more than anyone else on this team because those those critics are only going to get louder if he continues to play like this. And not that and he's playing some, terrible. In some regards, it's warranted. It is very yeah. much warranted. But the whole replacing Spencer Rattler, that's not going to happen, but it's not going to stop people, more and more people from asking for it if he doesn't play well in this game. You know, the thing Spencer said is take two or three throws away from each game and we're good to go. But you can't keep saying that every single week. You don't get a two, three pass you know free pass that you get to make terrible decisions i think maybe you live with it the first week but from that point on everyone's expecting perfection because that's what you're supposed to be for this team for this season i gotta look this up and make sure but uh, someone gave me a stat and i haven't fact checked it which nobody does anymore uh which which is why you get terrible stats all the time um but if you look, just look at the box scores this year. I mean, uh, Spencer Rattler, game one, how many touchdown passes did he throw for? One. And he threw two one. picks. Uh, Western Carolina, and I know that game was out of hand. That's uh, five and zero. But, yeah, uh, that's the one game where he's, you know, he, he's gobbling up some stats, five TDs, but that's not a real team. Uh I was told this like six the last six games last year he never threw for more than two touchdowns. That's right. Is that right? I think that's right, yeah. That's just incredible. I mean, for a quarterback at the University of Oklahoma. He's actually, and if you want to look at the final three games, Jason Kersey wrote a great kind of uh, deep inside the number thing on The Athletic uh, this morning. He his completion percentage is uh, higher than it was last year. It's from six fifty eight or sixty five point eight to seventy four point seven. Uh, we're talking final three games of twenty twenty, as opposed to the first three games of twenty twenty one. So sixty five point eight to seventy four point seven, which in summer terms is I think a lot of people are saying is a little bit of a tip of the cap to the uh, seven forty seven building on campus corner that's no longer there. And yardage wise, he's up from seven twelve to seven hundred and sixty one now. The thing that you say about this offense, and I completely get this, is anytime you say anything positive about it, you have to say, but the numbers are skewed because of the second game against Western Carolina. The point of concern for me is the yards per completion. Yeah, That's sure. what we're, we're just not used to seeing that. I don't care if they're taking away the deep ball or what, whatever, but you have 24 completions for only like 210 yards, that's not OU football. You have 24 completions. That should be like 380 or around 400. So that's something that just has to be fixed. They they can't, you know, it, as much as they can execute little by little, 
you know, we expect the big chunk plays to make their lives a lot easier going forward. You know, as as disappointing as Spencer Rattler has been, I think at some point, in a way, we almost got to start talking about the guys around him. And I think that there was a little bit of insinuation there this week from Lincoln Riley and even maybe a little bit from Rattler as far as uh, a, another great number coming from Pro Football Focus. OU receivers are gaining fewer yards after the catch this year. Last no year doubt. it was at 6.9. This year through three games, it's 4.5 yards yak. I mean, I, it's just like you got to get a little bit more. You got to start breaking some tackles. And I think, you know, as much as uh, you probably don't talk about it enough as far as, you know, the one thing that what, – what, what spurred the uh, Mario Williams big play in the first quarter last week? It was a great block by Drake Stoops. Right, yeah. And, and that's fair, but at the same time, part of what you're talking about is Spencer Rattler leading receivers into tackles rather than – Very, very true. Ta- I mean, so, like, I mean, like – and don't get me wrong, that's not all of it. I, 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 my, my biggest issue, and it was something I didn't notice until the rewatch – uh, for the idiot was the um, the announcing crew, which I, th- I think it was Clatt and, uh, and Gus Johnson, right, were yeah. talking about Oklahoma's receivers being some of the best in the country when a play breaks down at working with their quarterback. I think that's been a problem this year. When Rattler breaks out, I haven't seen guys working vertical, working side to side. Like it seems like you know, and I don't I don't know what's going through their heads. So I won't pretend I do, but it just doesn't seem right because that has always been something OU's been very good at. It's kind of the fire drill, and in this situation, that just doesn't seem to be happening the same. I think it's tough though when your quarterback uh, is not committing to um, you know staying in the pocket, or at least uh, you know when you see him take off he is looking for a receiver but he's usually looking you know at one side of the field and trying to see if he can find somebody down the field because Mm -hmm. he's always making that throw to the sideline uh where the guy is kind of running back with him Uh, of course you don't want him making that throw across his body to the middle of the field so guys does it just and i said this in the idiot does it just feel like a confidence thing like, which is hard to say because Spencer Rattler seems like one of those guys that is just, I, I'm, I'm the best guy here. I like, and I, I guess I've always bought into that. I, I mean, like, it, there's is just it things he's bravado? doing. Like, it, yeah, exactly. Is, is, is it, is, you know, is it overcompensation to use some psychology, you know, bull? Um, is it, John, I, like I John said, Shannon, I just, he's, he's missing stuff that he shouldn't miss. John Shin and uh, Gary Nemig and I were talking about this after the, uh, press conference on Tuesday. It's like, you know, whether it was right or wrong and even go back into uh 16 into uh rat or into a uh, Baker's first or 15 into Baker's first year. It was one of those things too, that he might make some mistakes, but when he was going to throw the ball, he was going, no doubt about it. I'm putting everything I got into this. I think sometimes like the, the early interceptions against Tulane, it's almost like he became a little bit more cautious and is like, I don't want to throw it there because I don't want to take this this chance. And I say that, and he had a couple bad throws last week, but at the same time, it's like, at some point, you just got to let it go. Shit, whatever happens is going to happen. I noticed that on this little slant, he tried to throw Jaden Hazelwood, I think in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And he just, and it was one of those things like, it's pitching. For a guy of his talent, and Hazelwood, Hazelwood wins inside, it should have been just pitch and catch. Just easy yeah. Nothing, and he he overthrows him by a few yards, and you're like, man, I that looks like a guy trying to guide it rather than just throw the ball, man. Just be the talented dude that you are, and let it go. And 
Again, like I said, I, I wouldn't have thought that would be an issue for Spencer Rattler because everybody's like, oh, it's the NIL. It's all this other stuff. I, I, I wonder if he's doubting himself. That deep ball to Mario Williams that, that last year would have been six. I mean, if, tons of room. Uh, just lead the guy. Yep. Just take him toward the sideline and that's six points. And uh, he, he throws just, it right down the seam. Mm hmm. Yeah. It, 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 that, like I said, that's, that's not him, man. That for, for everything you want to doubt about Spencer Rattler, that's just the pure throwing the ball. It's not a problem. And the thing about it too is, is I think that Spencer, he would be the first person to tell you when he goes back and watches it and says, yeah, that's not the throw that I need to make there. And even the, the, the one, the other play that you, uh, highlighted on the Monday morning quarterback or uh, the Monday morning idiot, Josh. It's like there is nobody within 25 yards of Kennedy Brooks on that swing pass. It's the mm. easiest throw he's going to make all game, and he tries to force it into triple coverage. Which almost negates what I'm talking about because if if you're lacking for confidence, why the <laughs> hell would you make that throw? Sure. So, like, I, I don't know what to make of it. I can't – I it doesn't seem to add up. It just seems like a guy that's just – I don't know. Like, it's just not connecting right now for whatever so I'm, reason. I'm wondering what he's like Tuesday and Wednesday because we, we hear that talked about so much. Tuesday and Wednesday, that's when you got to be sharp. That's when you got to prepare. That's how you give the coaches an idea of what you're going to do Saturday. So what's his mindset? How, how's he going about things? How's his mechanics? That's what I keep. Was like, If he had the proper mechanics, he's going to be pretty dang good. But it's there's times I don't know if it's – Arrogance or lack of confidence mm. or what 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 have you? But I mean, there was that time. Not, he's was, not stepping into his throws like he needs to. There was sure. that time during the summer where I even used the capital uncapital uh, sarcasm font when he was doing the behind the back throws and stuff out in Arizona, and I was jokingly like, you know, saying like, "I'm gonna do it. I don't care what people say." Uh, I wish you'd concentrate more on just throwing, completing regular passes and throwing them behind your back all the time. And, uh, and he blocked me. And I've been unblocked so, since, but I don't know. Does that say something? What you were saying is you were right. And those fans were right that he, that throw could have been better spent. It's what you're telling me that, that, that throw could have been the difference. But like you guys said, throwing is not the issue. His his mm -hmm. arm talent is not the issue. It's it's other yep. things. And I mean, look, we can talk about Spencer Rattler all you want, but it's just like with the Kennedy Brooks thing. It's like, you know, if you want to ignore what a part blocking can play in destroying an offensive possession, he's the perfect example. Like you miss a blitzer, uh, just whiff on him. And all of a sudden, you're in long yardage, and you've blown up an offensive possession for a team that's not really great at third and fifteen. I mean, they they have enough, you know, tough of a time with second and ten. Like, it's about more than just talent. I mean, at some point, you have to start saying, if this team doesn't get any better, is it something more mental? Is it something more chemistry? Is it something uh, coaching? I mean, there's other things that are going on here that are preventing this team from being as good as we thought that they could be. And it's emphasized even more when you're talking about a game like the Nebraska game was when it, you have limited possessions and they're going to make you basically, if you're going to have to drive and go 14 play drives or 10 play drives or 12 play drives, which were their three touchdown drives uh, last week against Nebraska, it's like you have to, you cannot live in second and 10. You cannot live in third and eight. You have to execute on those first couple plays 
to put yourself into position to be able to execute and to uh, to get into a third and five or to a third and short. Exactly. Exactly. And that's been their problem. They just sure you know the fourteen play drives. Those are impressive, but. What makes Lincoln Riley special is he has three play drives all the time with his with his really good quarterbacks. Sure, yeah, and those and the 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 big play, the explosive play through three games, just it simply hasn't been there. And you know how many opportunities have they truly had? You know, it's probably a handful, and they just haven't been able to take advantage of it. You know, do they need to move Marvin Mims back out uh, to the outside and just let let him do what he did last season? It's so hard because he's such a good, you know, runner with the ball. I mean, his punt returns show you that. Uh, but he's just not getting the ball enough inside. Neither is Stogner. Yeah, that's been the, that whole the, the H back yeah. thing has been. Yep. It's been almost inexplicable in terms of like I thought that was going to be the group that you go when you need a security blanket when you need to go get seven or eight yards. You should be able to go find a Stogner. You should be able to go find a Braden Willis. And, and we've Rattler seen him a did that bit. last year. I mean, Rattler relied on Stogner all the time. So sure. is it that Stogner is just not the same murdered. guy uh, after the staff infection? Uh, or, I mean, I think Braden Willis is pretty good. I think Jeremiah Hall is pretty good. They haven't been used all that much. I mean, I'd be well, seeing ghosts if I had been thrown over the middle every time and almost been murdered. <laughs> He tried to go to him on that third down um, when he ended up. The pressure was in his face, and Stogner almost made a great catch on it um, when when Spencer just kind of had to throw it in, in his general area because he had some pressure. Kennedy Brooks didn't didn't do very well with the blitz pickup, but again, he got focused on Stogner and completely missed a guy to the left that was just. I mean, it was free first down. It, it, I think it was. I want to say it was Mario Williams, but I'm not a hundred percent about that. I. Like I said, from play to play, it's a different problem. Like it's not like, oh, he always locks on. Oh no, he you know he he looks around really well, but he makes the wrong choice when he does. Like it's, it, I don't know. It just feels like a guy that's not comfortable in his own skin right now. Well, and remember, guys. I mean, this offense was pretty bad a, a lot of times last year until De- mm-hmm. Ramondre Stevenson came back, and then it got all of a sudden a lot easier. And they're running the ball really well. Coming out of that Nebraska game, they've just got to integrate that more into their offense and play action and keeping people off of balance because right now, nobody's off balance against this OU offense. Nobody's trying to figure things out as the game goes on. Yeah. Which is, no, I, it, it, it's, it's really kind of interesting because it, it really is like, you know, the, the season is, can be broken up into one or two things it's pre post benching against Texas and then pre-post Texas Tech and you're right and Bob you've talked about it before just as far as like going into that game in in Lubbock Rattler even had said something as far as like we need to start you know basically beating the shit out of teams I forget what the exact phrase was but they did come out and had a little bit of attitude about them and that was the game that things started to happen a little bit more downfield for them and rightfully so it probably coincided with the return of Ramondre Stevenson but at the same time it's like you know, if you can take any positive out of last week, uh, besides the fact that they won the game, it was the fact that they averaged five and a half a, uh, per carry on the ground. I think he said it was time for them to start to dominate somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's it. And how how they use Gray and Brooks, that's just going to have to be how they do it the rest of the season. You can't worry about carries and being injured. 
And I Don't think that's how they started like, the season. I think they did start scared yep, with they their did. running backs. There's no question. Just got to roll with it. Those are the two you have. They need at least 25 to 35 touches, somewhere in that range. They had 29 last Saturday. That's how you're going to get to where you want to get to. I mean, there is an interesting conversation to be had as well, just as far as what Rattler isn't going to be able to give you with his legs. And, you know, in past years, whether it be Baker, Kyler, or Jalen, there was an element, at least a little bit, of him pulling it or keeping it and making you pay in that 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 way. It, you know, and again, and I know it's it's come up plenty, but it's not just oh he needs to keep it and run. Sometimes he's got to read it right because there are times sure. when it's not just about yep. oh he does he keeps it or gives it, but like they'll have a pass to work off of it. He's got an option to throw that'll be there. And he'll give, or or he'll keep when he should. I mean, like it's just again, I I, I can't. I, I said it's one of those things where you have too much experience to be making these mistakes. These are these are things you know. I mean, like because this is guys. I mean, high school quarterbacks can run RPO all day every day because they know there's one key. You're reading one guy, and obviously it varies from front to front what you're doing. But this isn't. It's it's. I mean, and I I get that it's a quick decision. I'm for anybody gets mad. I'm certainly not saying I could do it. Spencer Rattler has done this for long enough to understand what he should be doing here. All right, we want to take a quick time out to talk about our friends at Dead Soxy. Great sponsors of the pod. uh, Big fans of you guys uh, and uh, all the support that you've given them. So they wanted to uh, lock it up uh, with us on the pod, including. Uh, a brand new uh, college release with the State and Stripes Crimson 8-Bit Maker Mayfield. Uh, Maker Bayfield, I have a hard time saying that. Wagon and State Text. Really great looking socks. And uh, they want you to have a special uh, offer, as they uh, always do for listeners of the Unofficial 40. Just use promo code BOOMER and you'll get 20% off. Now, there's only, as I look on the website, there's only 27 pairs left of the uh, 8-Bit Maker Bayfield uh, socks. So you want to jump on that now. As soon as you hear this, uh, go check out deadsoxy.com uh, and look at those socks because you're going to want those in your collection, especially uh, very comfortable, uh, featherweight, uh, very light, uh, excellent socks, especially be wearing on game days. Now that the weather's cooling down, you can wear the longer socks. So you want to jump in on this now. Yeah, and you know, the best part about it, Kerry, is as much as I love the Oklahoma stuff, I know that we have a bunch of Oklahoma State fans that uh, listen to the podcast as well, and we have a special for them uh, with Oklahoma State. And I, I believe the uh, promo code Pete. Yes, P-E-T-E. promo code Pete, and you can get 20% off uh, even for the OSU fans that listen in. Uh, they got the cowboy hat, the state and stripes, and the orange uh, and black uh, and gray, and then uh, pistols as well as the uh, state uh, state text uh, in orange and black. So uh, there you go. Who says that we don't care? Like, we know. We screwed you over. Oh, you screwed you over. So we're trying to take care of you with dead socks, the Oklahoma State fans. This is a, this is all we can do. This is the best we can do, but that's what we're doing, is we're giving you 20% off the Oklahoma State socks too. So don't say not we a never. Not a detriment to the state at all. I can tell you that. Don't say that we never did anything for you. Because uh, we got you 20% off the coolest socks out there. So go check them out, deadsoxy.com. Promo code Boomer or Pete for 20% off. What do you guys take from the fact that uh, Cody Jackson was more involved last week? 
you think somewhere it's, in between that's really really good news and kind of sort of bad news that no one is emerged jumping in this thing right yeah. that he's yep. jumping in this bitch so easily yeah i what's interesting is cody jackson is the kind of guy that's got the speed that could give them that vertical threat they're looking for. Because that's what he is. He's a vertical guy, which has been interesting because everything he's caught has been underneath so far. But he has that kind of skill set where I thought that was, like, I was a little worried he was going to be a one-trick pony for Oklahoma, and that was going to be his role. I, I've been impressed with how he looks. I think he looks no, like I think a player. He's good, yeah. Yeah, but I, I but I agree. I mean, like, it's concerning that a guy that, you know, like I said, I thought had some limitations out of high school has come in and that quickly – become part of the you know the rotation but you know it's hard to ignore also that even though it wasn't you know it wasn't uh kyler to cd lamb uh that connection was pretty strong between theo weiss and spencer rattler at times last year like i think that would have been someone that he definitely would have relied on at the start of the season particularly by the end of the year it seemed like he had really kind of come into his own and that would go with what Lincoln said Tuesday that all a lot of these receivers and the running backs he never played with, and that's why I that's why I kind of asked that question to Spencer yesterday. It was like, is it something that as much as you work in spring and seven on seven during summer, does it just have to happen in a game setting to get the chemistry? Because there's just a lot of these guys that he didn't know anything about until the last year, and it just still feels like. He's learning how to play with those guys, and sometimes that's growing pains that come along with it. Which doesn't make any sense why Stogner's not a bigger factor. Because that's the one guy out there that he had a connection with last year. Well, and it only gets exacerbated by the fact that Theo, it was so late. It wasn't like he got hurt in June. He had all fall to kind of get used to it, get ready to roll, and then almost the minute the season's upon them, Oh, th- this guy's not going to be there anymore. So I think it only increases that absence. You notice that that guy, you know that ten's not out there, but it did seem like last week he was starting to he and Jaden Hazelwood like there really was yep. some some chemistry there where they were starting to figure. I mean, it he's out. targeting Mario Williams and Jaden Hazelwood. I think more than any other receiver on the offense right now. Uh, They're just not getting cannot, yards. Yeah, but. yeah. <laughs> when you can't target there, Mario like, Williams enough. That that doesn't exist. Give him the ball more, whatever it is. Okay, uh, let's let's move over to the defensive side a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think the one thing that most people were curious about coming out of the game, of course, Billy Bowman doesn't play. Uh, he should be back this week, which will bolster them. Uh, Woody Washington, Bob, sounds like... Uh, uh, Significant part of the season, but it, it could be worse. Yeah, I've heard some rumblings that yeah. don't be expecting him to be coming back anytime soon. And I really need to go back to Western Carolina and try to see where it happened. Because in a blowout like that, if he's taken out of the game, you don't really notice it. And I don't remember him like going to the locker room or anything like that. So I might have to re-watch that sucker. But uh, you know, it was interesting that Jeremiah Cradell had so few snaps and Justin Broyles had a lot, I think, to most people. Uh, just because of the history of Justin Broyles. Uh, And Lincoln kind of seemed to insinuate that, what, Cradell's kind of banged up right now? You know, I don't know how I felt about that one because he he had evenly distributed the snaps between Bowman and Cradell in the first game. Yeah. So if he was banged up, 
wouldn't it like did it happen in that game and we just didn't know we know it happened in preseason camp and that's why Bowman was the starter and in the spring he didn't, remember, he didn't, he didn't even play Tulane. in the spring game yeah it's, I know I mean they raved about Cradell all spring and you know all preseason camp but once again now that it's time to actually deliver on the field it, just haven't seen the kid yet well, and then I think that kind of leads into the, just the question and the biggest question out there as far as it's like, and I, I think we've all forgotten it. Why isn't insert player playing? Why is insert player out there? I'll, and, I'm going to make know, a, I, I'm going to make it. I have as many questions as you guys do. I'm going to make an NIL offer right now. Uh, I'm going to be like Arby's. Uh, so <laughs> I'll give you a website to go sign up. If you would like uh, to start this merch opportunity, I think just Justin Harrington's face on a milk carton. Sell it as a T-shirt. I DM'd <laughs> you guys Saturday night after the game. It's like he, if you guys asked me, like, give me one player on each side of the ball that hasn't played that you've just been shocked about that hasn't even really gotten an opportunity. Just played Harrington's a lot in the first one. two weeks, but then yeah, l- last week. Last week, it was all special teams. I mean, Josh Eaton's out there playing with a broken hand, a broken wrist, or whatever it is. I mean, he can't get some time, more time. Uh, I mean, he moved a corner. I think I said milk cart, milk cart. He moved a corner, made all the sense in the world. They had all that depth at safety, and you put him at corner. Another another one of those things that just makes a lot of sense to me. And, I mean, Alex Grinch Grinch is is said, like, we haven't ruled about a play at corner, like, I I have no idea what's going on there. I did, but Grinch also did say at this time last year, Woody Washington was a cornerback, uh, and no, was a safety, and Trey Norwood was a cornerback. Right. Things can definitely change. He is not set in his ways where if and it's guess not what? working. You're one of your best players. You had him as a backup corner. A year ago, Trey Norwood ended up being your best ball-hawking defensive player. Yep. So he's willing to make the switch, and I, I think, but he that switched him in the first Harrington. place. That's my point. He was a nickel, and then they made him a. Co- well, he started a corner, then he became a nickel. Then we saw his value. Then they moved him back to corner until they realized, <laughs> oh well, he's a nickel. Yeah, and you guys correct. You guys correct me if I'm wrong because I remember I'm really getting this from conversations I had with you all. But wasn't his first kind of love affair was Trey Norwood at nickel? Like that was the first guy he kind of was like, yeah, oh, kind of like he got, that. It was when he got hurt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it was like the saddest I've still to this day the saddest I've seen Alex Grinch about a about a player like so much emotion he was like devastated because going way back when that was how are you going to tell Buki you're not starting because Trey Norwood's better than you that was going into the 2019 season that was the discussion we were sort of having it's like Trey's better than Buki but Buki was the five star how how are they gonna massage all this. I don't think Buki is ever going to play it down as a starter in the NFL like Trey Norwood already has. He can play football, man. There's yep. no doubt about it. I've never I I was completely just obnoxiously wrong about that. About Trey Norwood? Yeah, and just him yeah. being a player. Same. Yep, raise my hand. I'll own that one all day. That that was I when he left, I was like, well, that's insane. And then when he got yeah. drafted, I was like, well, that's insane. And I'm like, uh, okay. And now I guess he's playing better- yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I was like, maybe I'm the crazy one. And you, you know, know what's it's, funny it, is like we made all those asshole. statements, 
with kind of knowing what we know as far as like Alex Grinch loved him. He was coming off of a Cotton Bowl MVP performance in mm-hmm. which he had a pick six. And it was like we we pushed away what we had in front of us to almost like, I don't know, like almost f- ourselves over. Tylen Wallace versus 2018 is just was just an image that was hard to forget about. I think it's one of those things that we've seen so many guys that we thought could play in the NFL that didn't make it. And we're like, we've seen what doesn't work that we think works. You're not one of those guys. Like, we don't think you work, and you're not going to work, but he still worked. I thought Stephen Stephen Parker would have like a 15-year career. So, Uh, If you would have told me two years ago Parnell Motley was going to wash out and Trey Norwood was going to be make the 53-man roster and be playing an impactful role, I would have called you nuts. Like, I would have never, ever believed that. Or that Trey Norwood's having a bigger role than Trey Brown to date. What? what? What's happening? Think that, think that Parnell Motley slander's a little unfair. <laughs> no, I'm saying I bought, like, like, when Parnell Motley left, I was like, He's but got he's a chance. still in the league. Is he? Yes. He's about around practice squads. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, when you said still in the league, I thought I was like he's on a roster. No, I I knew like I don't take that as that, that's not a shot at Parnell Motley. Like I I right. I own that his senior year. He he was a different guy. Um, but no, I mean, I like I said, I I would just never a Trey Norwood guy. I I didn't I didn't get it, and clearly I was wrong. Looks like he is on the current to the Broncos, Detroit Lions. Oh, really? Roster Parnell is, yeah. Wow. I, I want to no say idea. he was one of the the Broncos' last cuts. Like yes, I, they, they that, were. Yes, like he was. The, that that yeah. I knew. Then I didn't know where he went from. Well, he was. Denver. He started as a free agent for Tampa Bay, right? And then mm-hmm. he had a great Picked preseason. Off Brady. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then they cut him. That yeah. after the season started, and then he went to Denver. I think. I think he went out to San Francisco from Tampa and then ended up in Oh, that's right. Yep. That's right. Mm-hmm. See, but that's already four teams. I never would have guessed that. I, it, guys, I mean, you know, say what you will. I mean, that says a lot about OU's current staff and their ability to develop guys because, I mean, two years ago, Trey Norwood, Trey Brown, and Parnell Motley were not anybody. I mean, Brown, just because he was so fast, he would have gotten a shot. But the rest of those guys, I don't. I mean, they would have, you know, they'll sign to a practice or not sign to a practice squad. They'd have got some, you know, undrafted free agent deal, but it wouldn't have been. They they wouldn't be where they are. Yeah, I I will say this though, in terms of everything that's going on out there. I don't really think you can be too critical of the starting safeties right now. I mean, to nope. me, I've been more impressed with Pat Fields than I have Delarian Turner Yell. Hundred percent, and you know that's that. That's what I wrote me. Monday. Yep, I like what Pat's been doing. God, that sounds bad. It sounds like I'm dissing dissing Pat with that. I just mean I've I've always loved Dty. He's, it's been my guy since high school. But yeah, he he. There's everything in his game says he should be an explosive player that makes big plays, and it's just I I keep waiting for that moment to happen, and it's just not going to come. That I mean, that Iowa State game in Ames just really hurt him, his overall reputation with people. Mm. I mean, and Buki was, is at fault. I mean, really, what was at fault is their massive tight ends were just 
which everybody has a problem with. Yeah. But oh, I don't think there was part, anybody in that Pat secondary Fields, that felt good about that. Pat Fields, even when he's in position, he just has terrible hands. No. Oh. Who caught the blocked extra point? He did. <laughs> Some believe- I loved Coe being like, I didn't even know anybody had the ball. Like, I just thought we were going to the <laughs> sidelines. <laughs> By the way, Coe was fantastic. Yeah. The hunt can certainly get a lot more opportunity with uh, with Jalen sidelined. You would think. I just mean in his interview, uh, he was fantastic. the The whole hunting, oh, yeah. and eating, and searching, and destroying, kind of. You can tell that defensive line has a really good chemistry together. Sure. Well, I, th- I mean, they've been the strongest unit out of anybody so far, and I think that that's why you know, like, there's not a whole lot of cause for like defensively you got to get real nitpicky when you're talking about what is going on because they've been, for the most part, they've been pretty good. Now, the linebacker core there you go. obviously <laughs> needs to be better. Safety, it's almost like you talk about it in two ways. It's like, yeah, it, they're okay for what's going on right now, but I think everybody kind of looks to the future and says, well, if they want to play at a national championship level, you can't have these guys out there. What's bizarre is the reason my, my opinion of, of Patrick Fields is so high is because his run fits have been incredible yes. at times. Like, where yep. are the linebackers making that play? Why is it that Pat Fields is having to make that play? Uh, guys, going back and watching that, I, I'm i not sure it's crazy to say that Danny Stutzman starts a game or two this year. I, You know, Teddy has been on record saying as soon as he's healthy, he's starting. But that doesn't explain any – I mean, Osamoa was no. making such good strides. Right. Yep. Awesome. Yep, it's been disappointing. Right. Deshaun White's been disappointing. David Awegbu has been maybe the biggest disappointment. Maybe I had 100%. too high expectations. I, I thought he would be playing himself into day two type conversation. And he's, I mean, he's I'll nowhere put it near this way. it right now. This is the kind of the way his season's gone, Josh. Name me a play that he's made in three games. Like, literally... Name yeah. me a play that he has made behind the line of scrimmage. And that's the thing. I can't remember watching a team that was so good against the run on the front end and the back end, but the middle just does dick. It's almost like, and Deshaun talked about it a little bit. I think it was the question that you asked of him yesterday, Bob. It's like, it's almost like they're having trouble reading plays, like diagnosing plays. Yeah. Like or or it, it, maybe that's the problem. Maybe they're, like, they're, they're just th- thinking way too much. Go go tackle the guy with the football. Yeah, they're like in a good position if it's a run play, but then they're out of position if it's a pass play, and then like they're lost in coverage. And Grinch was saying we got to do a much better job of reading the keys of knowing what's coming and instead of always re- reacting to it later and then you know being a, a step behind or out of position. And it's definitely been an issue through the first three games. It's kind of like it, it screws with them that the defensive line is always in the backfield. Like, there's so much chaos up front. It's like, I wonder if they're just getting lost in it. <laughs> defensive line's too good. Slow down, guys. That, that's a Guys, the right offensive there. linemen just come to us because they have no one left to block. They're, they're just bored. <laughs> they, they, you, you've already run past them. Well, I mean, that was the whole, you know, control your gap scheme that's made for linebackers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, that's true. It's just, it's just crazy. I mean, because, guys, you remember in the preseason, like we've talked about some of the things that we've said in the preseason that we were worried about. 
Linebacker was one of the things I was most confident about. Boy, they got depth. I don't know how they're they going to do were, this. The coaches are on record saying oh. that they had 14 guys they felt confident playing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody brought it up the other day. I, I mean, what are they getting out of that rush spot behind Nick Benito? As mm, such. Stripling and Kelly. Yeah. I mean, Kelly's yeah, done would okay, you can, but Stripling's done almost nada. Yeah. Yeah. I would mean, you consider Grimes moving Aguayu back there? been much better on the other side. Mm-hmm. I I I think Aguayu's interesting. Like, do you want to put him back there and see if that can be a fit where he can be comfortable? He's probably better than Caleb Kelly at that right now, just size wise. Yep. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, you're you're cutting although, down his responsibilities. Although, I feel like I should take a victory lap about Caleb Kelly, though. Because years ago, I was saying, maybe he's, he's a defensive end in the future. Maybe he's a, a pass rusher, and, and everybody just murdered him. He's 215. No way. That's what he does now. I'm, well, look well, at his greatest game ever at OU. Playing nine years at Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> On two bad knees or one really bad knee. I don't know which is which. I can't remember. I think it's the same knee both times. Well, we should announce to everybody we have lost Bob. Robert has Robert has left us. Oh, he had dad duty. Dad Husband duty. Husband duty. Yep. It just it it it's been I don't know. This this whole experience over the first three weeks of the season has been uh pretty interesting. I mean, we've been doing this for a while. It just seems like there was such a belief that you know, not only was OU gonna be good, but they were gonna be national championship good, they were going to be dominant at times. And I think the fact that that hasn't been out there has, I don't want to say like hurt anybody's feelings, but I think that there's just a general sense of like throw your hands up in the air. And it's just like, what the f***? What, what is going on? Well, I'll say this. Uh, as someone who has covered college football for longer than I want to admit, um, I've seen teams start out worse than this before or about the same. Uh in 2000, before OU won a national championship, nothing particular that was impressive before they went to go play Texas. Uh, Kansas came to town. Pushed them. They threw it all over their secondary. Uh, it looked like, God, this Oklahoma team isn't any good. Uh, and then they went and had the Texas win, the 63-14. Or 60, yeah, 63-14. And then everybody was like, oh, oh, shit, this team. And then, the you know, Red October happened. So sure. teams can come together and get hot and find a way. Now, you on that team, you're talking about a second-year starter in Josh Heupel. I mean, and it was an offense that, you know, and, and a defense that need, there was no such thing as a Roy back at that point. Uh, and all that stuff started to develop. The, it's almost, the thing it's I'm getting like in. They, go ahead, Eddie. Oh, I was just going to say real quick, it's almost like they need that rallying moment. And, mm -hmm. you know, most of the time, unfortunately, it comes after a loss. I'm not saying that they need to lose a game, but they need something that galvanizes them and kind of gets them together. And maybe it is like a, a fan base, you know, for the lack of better terms, turning on them, even though they're 3-0, which is kind of crazy. But, like, they need something Coming that they can rally them maybe. Better way of putting it. The thing I keep running into on social media, and it's it's – a similar problem to what I what we talk about every year, when you watch one team, you have a tendency to focus on the good or the bad or whatever it is. Sure. 
no one seems willing to not no one, but far too many are seem unwilling to acknowledge college football in general looks kind of shitty right now. Like it doesn't. Oh, yeah. There's no team out there that I would say, oh, you can't beat them. Like there's not one of them. Now at the same time, there's about twenty that I'd say, wrong day. Oh, you, oh, you's in trouble. Like I mean, there, there's a lot of kind of condensed from like one. I mean, Alabama. Alabama's okay. Florida just started running zone read at them, like or uh, some RPO stuff. Like it was so basic what they did. They simplified everything, and Alabama just could not sort out that option. They they were just in trouble the whole time. And the second half, I think Florida scored four straight times, three straight times. Something. I mean, they were just walking up and down the field. And then you've got Georgia, who has offensive problems as Georgia does every year. Now they're. They're just nasty up front, as Shane Beamer so beautifully said. That was fantastic. Uh, yeah. That that was amazing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, By the so way, no one I, has a hundred five stars. Just I know Shane knows that, but that was pretty funny. That was that was great. But yeah, I mean, you know, just to like I said, usually I'm having to say, guys, I I get that you think OU's this good, but man, you haven't seen Clemson, you haven't seen Ohio State, and that's one of the advantages of me being at home, not going to the game. I get to sit here and watch other stuff i get to absorb other games that kind of stuff when when i you know now people are like oh you're terrible i'm like guys I, i'm not saying they're playing great football but i don't know anybody that is like there's nobody yeah, out there that's Clemson's running away with this thing this year oh my clemson looks lost i mean 100, they're 118th in total offense right now o, ou doesn't have a unit that is playing as shockingly bad as clemson's offensive line right now clemson's offensive line is terrible just terrible, and and I can, people I are like, well, Georgia beat them; they must be good. Well, I, well, I agree, they, but doesn't that, in a way, almost kind of make it worse? Because I think that there's fans that that sit back and say, now that, that that does make everybody feel better that everybody that you know, it's seemingly that all the quote unquote blue bloods or all the big time programs are having problems. But in the way, it's like, wasn't that what Oklahoma was kind of taking advantage of this year? Was the fact that they were bringing all these guys back, the fact right. that they were. Yeah bringing back a quarterback and for it to look like shit or at times look like shit. I think that almost even inflates this idea of, Oh my God, what's happening? The sky's falling. Yeah. There's no doubt. You know, it, it going into the season, there was a little bit of feeling like, okay, well, Lincoln Riley's, he's been one of the better recruiters out there. Uh, now they have an, ex, you know, quarterback with some experience coming back where uh, Ohio state doesn't. Uh, Clemson doesn't like Alabama doesn't so they should be able to take a jump and become that team we haven't seen that so far it's disappointing if you're a fan I understand it yeah and, and that's fair but I, I I will say I think this year being so weird because you know like I, I would listen to like preview pods you know the national kind of views and they'd be like this team returns 18 starters and you're like wow that's amazing and then as you went through it, it was like, nope, pretty much everybody had like 17 guys coming back, at least. I mean, like, and it's just the weird year that it was. Now, they're like Alabama, obvious ex exception. But at the same time, I mean, you know, like I said, a Alabama beat up on Miami, and everybody's like, holy crap, they're great. And now we kind of look we're like, oh, no, no, Miami's just not very good. Like, that, we now we get it. Um, I don't think so Derek I, King is very good. I mean, I've been kind of harping mm, on that for a while. 
I think there's something to that. Uh, you know, it, and I, I was a fan. Like, I liked the kid. I, I thought at Houston he's a he great was great. athlete, yeah. I mean, yep. but you ask him to be a national championship caliber quarterback, that's not him. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So, I mean, yeah, it, it, it nobody looks good. I mean, maybe Oregon's the only one that could say, but they struggle with Fresno State, too. Bristol State's got Bristol a little State's, quarterback, man. I stayed up and watched some of that good. game last yeah. Saturday. That was a, a bunch of fun watching them play at the Rose Bowl. That was that was Nate Hibble esque, just watching him get destroyed and then just kind of fight his way through it. <laughs> I mean, the guy could not walk on the final ah. possession. I mean, that's probably not, that, that's probably not fair to that kid. That's Byron Leftwich, like getting carried down the field <laughs> by his offensive lineman. God, forgot about that. Um. All right, uh, Josh uh, recruits last weekend in Relique Brown. Others, uh, what what's kind of the the takeaway from from the big recruiting weekend? Yeah, uh, you know, another good weekend. Um, obviously, um, trying to make sure I've got my list. No, of course I've got the wrong one up here. By the I way, like, uh, while you're looking for that, um, sure. You know, it was interesting. I didn't know this, Eddie. I know we talked about this in the war room, but I was like, ooh, boy, Eric Bieniemy gets that job at, at uh, USC. Maybe that's bad for OU with Relique Brown. And then I said that not knowing that the athletic director <laughs> at USC is the same athletic director that fired him at Colorado. So Yeah, that was an interesting point. I didn't realize that either. <laughs> wow. I was like, okay, well, don't have to worry about Eric Bieniemy being USC's head coach. And the thing about yeah. it, it wasn't like a reporter threw that out there. Eric Bieniemy threw that out there. Yeah. Well, and what's so interesting to me is like he got that job based on basically the fact that he'd hired Fickle at Cincinnati because he's made a bunch of questionable hires at both Colorado and Cincinnati. And he got Fickle. Obviously, that's been a huge home run for Cincinnati, so I get it. But now, like, you hear people talking, they're like, he, those two don't get along that well. Like, that, that's not, everybody thinks that's just a fit. And even if Luke Fickle was willing to go to, uh, Southern California and totally change his, you know, his lifestyle, being a very Midwest guy, I, the connection between AD and head coach there is apparently not that beautiful. By the way, I will say, uh, I did watch back last night the, uh, big noon kickoff. Bob Stoops, you were fantastic. He was just great on that. He was playing on home soil. Felt good in front of the crowd. Oh, man. He was he was hamming it up, man. Switzer being there was awesome. I mean, it's a better show than the other one, but I've also... I was ready for him to throw what, the, the schooner hat on. What it made me realize is if ESPN would have been smart five, six, seven years ago and convinced Lee Corso to retire after all his strokes and replaced him with Switzer... They could still be at the top of their game. Oh, God. Switzer on a show like that would be pretty amazing. There's no doubt. It would be f***ing awesome. So, anyway, uh, yeah, your list, you were getting it together, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Bought, bought me a few minutes there. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, you, t you mentioned Relique Brown. You know, just to kind of get this one out of the way, I talked to some people. Sounds great. I mean, th there doesn't sound like there's any real concern I believe he's still going to – I think he's going to the USC game this weekend is what I've been told. But just from people I talk to, it doesn't sound like OU's overly worried about that situation. It's just – honestly, 
with the way USC is right now, you'd almost rather that than like, oh, I'm going to go check out Oregon. Okay, that's a little, you know, you, you don't love that idea. But I, I think I think that's going to be fine. Like I said, I just don't get a lot of sense of, oh, this could be a problem with, with you know, compared to like Luther Burden. There were for a while you knew, okay, this could be an issue. This is gonna, this could come up again. Relique just doesn't feel that way. Uh, the the two big time guys that were there officially, um, that were I guess really the two guys that were there that are uncommitted at this point, Cam Dewberry, the uh, five star offensive lineman from Atascocita, North Houston, and Gentry Williams, the uh, the Rivals one hundred DB from Booker T in Tulsa. Uh, we'll start with Gentry being an in state guy. Um, he and I are actually set to talk here pretty shortly this afternoon. And what we have, you know, kind of had a chance to talk about through the week. He's been very quiet, and I find that kind of interesting. Gentry and I go way back. Like, that, it's never really been that way with he and I. Um, so I don't – it almost – it feels like he wanted to take some time, think about things, and kind of weigh out what, what, he's, what he's thinking. Now, like I said, I'll know more later this afternoon, but I – from what I'm told, the visit just couldn't have gone better. I mean, it was just very much a pretty much everything but committing, you know, like was kind of the impression I got. So OU feels good about it. There's a lot of confidence. Um, I think the fact that Chris McClellan went to Florida last week and is now going to come and take his official this weekend to OU, and we'll get into that a little bit, that that seems positive as Chris and Gentry talk uh, plenty and have taken some trips together and those kind of things. So, um, but yeah, I, I like where OU is with Gentry. I wouldn't be shocked if something went down in the next few weeks, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, he still has talked about wanting to take an LSU trip. Uh, I know USC is still trying to get him to come back out and take an unofficial visit. So there are some things still in play, but what I will say was interesting, and I put it in woke yesterday, is the school that people are kind of talking about with him right now is Florida. Now, I won't say that that is a, um, you know, people are like, oh, well, now he's just switching schools. He's trying to find a reason not to go to OU. I don't think it's that. I think that he's smart enough to know that USC is just too complicated right now. That That's probably not going to be a situation that suits him because all that's going on there, all the change, all the things. He'd have to make a decision without knowing a lot of facts. And I just, Gentry's, that just doesn't strike me as his style. He's a he's a really smart kid, and I just, I just don't see him playing it that way. Um so I like I said, like where OU is with Gentry Williams. We'll we'll know more here shortly. Uh Cam Dewberry uh raved about it. You know, talked to our guy Sam Spiegelman, you know, uh he and his dad called the visit a game changer and you know, I had said a few weeks ago that I wasn't sure where OU was with him and just, you know, how how hard they were going to push for him, how hard they wanted to fight because you know, you're recruiting against Ohio State A&M, that, that's that's going to be a battle. And I, everybody just loves Cam. Like he, he, I, I was hearing from guys that are usually like, uh, you know, I mean, they've done recruiting forever. They know the game that not much catches their eye. It was just like, love that guy. Just, just can't help but love that dude. Want him on the roster. Want him here. You know, that kind of thing. So I, I, I think OU has settled whatever, whatever it was and is, is more than willing to go to war. Uh, for Cam Dewberry, and I, I think they've got a good chance. Just talking to some people, um, you know, like I said, I talked to Sam Spiegelman, who put in a forecast uh, this week for O, you know, for OU with Cam. Um, we'll see. I, I don't think it's set. I, 
I would say OU and A&M are about dead even at this point. I think it's it's going to be an interesting battle down the stretch. But uh, OU absolutely 100% has a chance to land him. What do you do? You get a feel for you know, what it was because it seems like it was like a head turner for him this weekend. Yeah, you know, like I said, I mean, you know, last week when we talked about it, there has been this feeling for a long time that if OU could just get him back to campus, he loved that first visit so much way back in March of twenty, but he just you know for whatever reason hadn't made it back up. I think it'll say a lot if they can get him back up again for something. Just if he can find a way to take one more unofficial visit, I think at that point I would say, okay, yep, I, I think it's going to be OU. I, I'm, I'm ready to believe in that possibility. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know that it was any one thing, but I do think, uh, again, um, the, the, the group of offensive linemen, Oklahoma's presence in Houston – there's a lot that he likes there, and Cam knows that he comes to Oklahoma, and he's he's a unique guy. He's not a pure tackle. He's not a pure guard. He doesn't have an exact role, but one of Bill Beatonbow's real strengths, whatever, you know, and I know people out there are kind of, for the first time ever, doubting Bill a little bit. It, whatever strength he has, it's about finding the best spot for a guy to play. He'll play a guy anywhere, and... I, I think that appeals a lot to Cam. Like, hey, we'll try it tackle, we'll try it guard, we'll see which one works better, and we'll make it go. And I think that's that appeals to Cam because there's track record there. He has experience with guys who are kind of tweener types. Like Cody Ford's a perfectly good example, a guy that could do a little bit of both. And I think he, OU has sold him hard on, you know, whatever is best for you is the spot we'll go with. Hmm. All right, uh, outside of that, um, let's see, no big trips last weekend. Um, I don't remember getting Z- a bill for that. No, saw Xavion Bryce, a um, l- little bit of gas for the, uh, the the truck, but this truck's much cheaper than the, the, the F950. That, that was a, <laughs> you know, here's $700 in gas, Carrie. I went down the street. So, um, but no, Xavion uh, Bryce had like, 260 yards of total offense uh played quarterback only for Seguin but you know Eddie's put some video up um it was it was an impressive performance he is a big long athletic dude and I just I like what he's about man I, I that's a he, between he and Robert Spears Jennings I mean you've got guys that you know I, I just feel like you know for no better way to say it they get it they understand what it takes that they're they're workers, like they, they just, they, they're bought in. And they, I, I think that is going to be very good for Oklahoma Secondary, which is going to have plenty of talent, but needs some leadership, in my opinion. And I think they can be those kind of guys. So I, 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 I like that, that fit. And the more I'm around Xavier, the more I like him. Uh, this weekend, though, I, I do want to throw in getting to go see Gabe Dendy finally. Going to go down to Florida, fly into Tampa and go see, uh, Gabe Dendy. Was supposed to see him last year. Uh, when I saw Danny Stutzman and Mario Williams, but due to COVID, the, their game got canceled, and then I couldn't actually end up getting to meet him because, again, COVID protocols were kind of crazy at that point in time. So we had a lot of issues, but now finally going to get to go see him play tomorrow night. Uh, should be, you know, it's just kind of the way the schedule worked out. It was the best time for me to go see him. Probably going to be a blowout, but, hey, the nice part is is he'll probably put up some nice videos, so we'll get to watch him kind of go to work. And you can ask him uh – how church service was yeah that that's gonna be uh did you ever get a, a, a 
uh, any answers on how they pulled that off? No, and it's it's been weirdly quiet. Like I said, the only thing that was made clear was we we ran this by the right people was basically what I was told. Yeah. So I I know it was vetted and cleared before anybody did anything crazy. But how what technicality they slid that by on? I still don't fully understand. It's kind of funny that you're headed down to Florida and. You know, if you want to, we want to start previewing who's coming up to Norman this weekend. Mm-hmm. Another night game offers an opportunity to host Marvin Jones Jr. Yeah, uh, you know uh, that is, you know, like I said, another one of those guys I went to my last Florida trip to see, and that guy. I, I want to say we've got Marvin ranked in the seventies, and you know, I, I I just couldn't disagree more with that. I, I think he's a five star dude, uh, an elite pass rusher, and. You know, as a guy that, I mean, Plantation, for those that aren't familiar, just a little north of Miami, about 25, 30 minutes, and very much a, you know, part of the city, though, and is a guy that doesn't, you know, talking to him and talking to his mom a little bit, that doesn't feel like the normal Miami guy. That feels like a guy that could buy into small college town, you know, just focus on football, be that kind of guy. And I would have said at the start of the season, no way in hell he's not going to Florida State. But like we said earlier, the train wreck that that is becoming, surely that's opening the door for some schools. Now, with Marvin Jones, he's going to visit Ohio State. He's going to visit Alabama. He's going to visit, I mean, this is big big boy football. I mean, everybody that matters is involved with him. And so it, it won't get decided this weekend, but I know... Uh, he's been impressed with Jamar Kane. They've built a good relationship, both you know Kane and himself, Kane and his family, his mother in particular. So I, I think there's some interesting stuff. And this weekend could be special for OU because Marvin Jones's half brother Daryl Porter is one of West Virginia's starting corners. So they get to be there, watch him play. You know, now what that's going to look like in the in the you know the the ticketed section. When, you know, mama starts cheering for her son making a play and everybody's like, man, hell with you. Like, I, we'll see how that goes. But, you know, bottom line is, like I said, I think it'll be kind of a cool experience. It's one of the reasons they wanted to come this weekend so they could also see Daryl play. So there's, there's some connection there that is, um, that's pretty interesting. And like I said, I, I, I don't think OU's anywhere near the favorite for Marvin Jones, but they've got a chance. Sorry, I ran into the other room real quick. Uh, oh, no, no, no fine, fine. I was Chris, listening. Chris, Chris McClellan and Gavin Sawchuck, the other two official visitors for the weekend. Yeah, and I know there had been – I was told there was a report out that Sawchuck wasn't coming in. I checked with him, heard back late last night. He is coming in this weekend for the official. So um, everything, as far as I know, seems seems fine with him. Um, but uh, – oh, no. Nope, nope. I, I, wow. I'm going back to check my information. I'm like, I read that at 4.30 in the morning, and I read it wrong. So uh, Gavin Sawchuck will be in the TCU weekend. And i got to be honest, that is what Gavin Sawchuck told me two weeks ago, and I somehow had put it in as West Virginia. So blame that on me and Jake Taylor having a conversation that had nothing to do with it. So that is, uh, that's a long, convoluted story that I won't waste everybody's time with. But I had... Been talking to Jake and Gavin at the same time, and I crossed the the streams there. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Gavin Suchuk will not. Well, yeah, that does sound bad. You're, yeah, that's fair. 
for the kiddies out there, there's a Ghostbusters movie that you should watch. Can't go near a school um, for a month now. Oh, that's bad. Yeah, and here in Texas, man, you got to give them your ID. They scan it. It's a whole thing. Um, was really nervous the first time, but apparently those charges were dropped, so it's fine. Um, but no, um, yeah, like I said, so I need to remove that. But yes, Chris McClellan confirmed. Chris McClellan will be there. He is coming in. Can't absolutely say that with certainty. Uh, McClellan is a guy that, um, like I said earlier, I, I think it's interesting. He was at Florida, Alabama last weekend while Gentry was taking his official to OU, and now he's immediately going to come in. That feels like maybe a guy that's getting close to a decision because, I mean, there's, he, you know, he's an in-state guy. He's got plenty of opportunities to go take this trip to Norman, and it's not like this is some opportune weekend. He's playing Union uh, on Friday night, so, I mean, there's no obvious reason why it has to be this weekend. So, I, like I said, maybe he's just a guy that kind of knows what he's getting close to and getting ready to make a decision. And like I said, I still think it comes down to OU and Ohio State, and this will be his second time at OU in three weeks. That that seems like a good trend, but you just never write off Larry Johnson. I mean, he's such an outstanding recruiter at Ohio State that you have to take that seriously. All right. Uh, anything else recruiting-wise you want to throw out there before we get out of here today? Uh, the last thing, and it's just because I just confirmed it right before the podcast started, Lebius Overton, the five-star number seven player in the country in 2023, will be on campus again this weekend. Wow. So they are – yeah, that's a huge one for Oklahoma. Um, Derek Moore coming back, the, the Maryland defensive end that's committed already. And the other one that's interesting is Jackson Howard from Minnesota is coming in. I can't remember the last time – OU had an offer kid from Minnesota on campus. But what's interesting is Howard's listed as a tight end on Rivals. Based on a few conversations conversations I've had, I think he's being looked at as an edge for Oklahoma, kind of a Darnell Washington situation. Well, I don't know what he thinks of that, but for him to make the trip down to Norman from Minnesota, he's got to be at least somewhat interested. So the, the, there's, it's not a huge visit weekend, but there's some definite players here. Seems like that is a straight product of them playing at night, too. That's just something that couldn't happen for an 11 a.m. game. Yeah. No, that, Maybe that, even like with said, Jake Taylor. It's like you, you get some of these kids that are taking flights in. I mean, it's just way too hard to get these kids in if you're playing 11 a.m. games all the time. 100%. Damn near impossible. All right. I really have nothing else to add. Um I won't admit that uh, I couldn't remember who the shame lady was on uh, Game of Thrones. And then uh, I didn't... I, I, somebody told me the other day that that's the, the owner on Ted Lasso. She was also the shame girl in Game of Thrones. Really? Uh, yeah. Eddie's not seen Game of Thrones, I can already tell. No. Or we'll Ted have plenty Lasso. of time to throw shame around if they get, go out and get beat over the next couple weeks. <laughs> just play that clip all the time yeah all right uh i think that's gonna do it that's gonna do it that's definitely gonna do it uh so we appreciate it. we'll be back next week uh we'll be back for the eskridge lexus post game pod uh and don't forget dead soxy uh that new collection i know a lot of the uh uh maker Bayfields have been going fast so i think their supply is very limited so get on that while you can deadsoxy.com uh, and appreciate everybody listening. We'll be back again next week for another edition of the Unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com.